excited for a USL Championship season to start. It is currently 10.30 at night on March 10th. And I'm we're two days out. I am so excited. It's just one of those leagues where you really don't know what's going to happen until the first match day of the season. Preseason comes and goes. Obviously, tomorrow, Hartford still have a preseason game, which is weird. But it all happens, and you kind of get this idea of what to expect. But it's just so unpredictable. Like, all of the top leagues in the world, the Premier League, Liga, and the Bundesliga, La Liga, Serie A, stuff like that. You kind of know where teams will fit in before the season even starts. Sometimes you'll get some different results. You'll get some surprising finishes, but you just don't get that with the USL Championship. Yes, you can put probably Phoenix and Louisville at the top, but other than that, I would really say you don't know where things are going to go. Um, and that just makes me even more excited for the match previews, which is what we've got in front of us today. We've got so many match previews. I don't know how many games, which I should, doing this, but it's a lot. And it is an incredibly stacked opening match day. Some big games right off the bat, specifically a playoff rematch between the Colorado Springs Switchbacks and your USL Championship champions, Orange County SC. We'll get to that later, though, obviously. I don't think I'll save that to the end, but we'll pack it right into the middle. Something for the middle, and then, obviously, another big one, um, the debuts of Detroit City and Monterey Bay. And then we've got Birmingham, Tampa Bay, which looks huge from the start. But we'll start somewhere a bit, I won't say smaller, we'll just start somewhere a little bit lower down the ladder, and I mean that pretty literally. We'll start with Loudoun United and Indy 11, two sides who had incredibly difficult and incredibly poor 2021 seasons. Loudoun United finished on the lowest points, and they finished bottom of the Atlantic. 15 points is almost... I, they didn't seem... I really don't... I don't, I don't even really know what to say. I was going to compare them to Las Vegas, but Las Vegas had six more points than them. To me, last season, Las Vegas were the worst team in the league based off of just pure play. Loudon seemed okay... At some points, Las Vegas just did not seem like they had an ounce of care in them at all, which is disappointing, to say the least. But I think Loudon have brought in some good pieces. They brought in Grant Lillard. They brought in Sammy Gadiri. Um, I didn't see Trey Muse, who I know they had brought in on the list, so I'm, 
I'm guessing he's been moved up to DC. They did sign Tyler Freeman um, as of today, which is pretty good, I'd have to say. So, oh, it's not March 10th. It's March 11th. I mean, good Lord. But, yes. Anyway, that's besides the point. Um, they have some interesting pieces. And how that will go over for the season, I'm not sure. For this game in particular, though, they just need somebody to step up. Last year, it was Forda in goal who was kind of this bright light for this team that just had nothing going for them. So if they can get someone to step up in this game and be creative, be that game winner, I think they have a shot. I think it could be another difficult-ish season for them. I do have them higher in the table than um bottom of the East, which would kind of be equivalent to bottom of the Atlantic because they were the worst team in the league last year. So I have them higher than that. But it still could be a pretty difficult year. Um, two players who I have as potential um, like game changers for this tie are Tyler Freeman. Now, granted, I don't know if he'll start. He just signed. So I would give him a little bit of time to get integrated into the squad. I also have Theodore Pietro. Looks good in midfield. Again, don't know if he'll start. He's pretty young, um, but seems like a good player that could dictate a game like this. Um, and on the indie side, I kind of went for the same thing. They need someone to take control. And specifically, I'm thinking Nicky Law. He came in last season he didn't really have the impact I think a lot of people thought he would. Um, he did struggle, and obviously the USL Championship is a completely different league to the EFL League 2. Um, but I would say League 2 is probably better in terms of quality of the USL Championship, but obviously there's such a change in the style of play and things like that that I think he just couldn't get a grasp on in his first season. So it'll be interesting to see if he can bounce back, and if in particular against a side which Indy really should be beating, if he can do that. Obviously, they've got some other big pieces like Hackshaw, stuff like that. They do have some influential pieces, but I think Nicky Law is the one you're really looking forward to here. Um, to be that guy. Um, I won't do uh, score predictions on here because I'm doing them on my Instagram, All Access USL. So we're just going to get moving into the other games after I kind of wrap up. Um, the We'll go game to game without any score predictions, pretty much. Don't know what I'm rambling on about for. Um, but next is Charleston Tulsa. Um, this is an interesting one. Charleston and Tulsa always give me this vibe of like, I don't know. Tulsa just give me something like they have the opportunity every year to be good. Like they always seem pretty defensively intact, but sometimes it seems like the goals are lacking. And then Charleston have 
like always seem to be able to put two or three passes aside, but are completely capable of conceding four or five in a game. So both entertaining in their own right, absolutely. Both have something holding them back from really reaching um, like glory, pretty much. USL Championship glory, I'd have to say. Um, Tulsa in particular, I go back to their 2019 season, which was just a complete drag to watch. They were pretty bad. Charleston haven't really been there. They finished sixth in the Atlantic last season. Wasn't fantastic, but they weren't awful. Tulsa finished fourth in the Central. Um, I would have to say that's not bad. I think they could have done better, but they certainly could have done worse. Um, given the side that they have. Obviously, Tulsa have made the signing of Adrian Dispay from RGV. That seems like it could be a shrewd piece of business that could get them um, some more uh, creativity um, from the back and in midfield, So depending on where he plays. So we'll see how that goes. But for this game, I think the Charleston Battery just need it improved defensively. They brought in Matt Sheldon. They brought in, I believe, one or two other defensive pieces. I'd have to go back and look. I can't remember because that was a while ago. Matt Sheldon, kind of the most notable. Coming from Tulsa, that's kind of the reason I bring him up is because this is already sort of a homecoming. He won't be in Tulsa, but he's playing Tulsa. So that's big. Maybe he'll put in a big performance if he starts even. Who knows? I just know that Charleston really need to round themselves out defensively. Not just for this game, but for the whole season. For Tulsa, I already think they're pretty well-rounded. I just think they need to keep their focus and find goals. Joaquin Rivas is more than capable of scoring. It's just he needs to do it more often, pretty much. Um... I know that's a bit of a drag on him because I know he's very good. And I know he's got every capability, like I just said, of scoring. But I think sometimes Tulsa as a whole, they kind of count on one guy to score the goals. And that's Joaquin Rivas. Um, So if they can get goals from elsewhere, kind of like scoring by committee, I think that'd be even better to take that pressure off of Rivas. So, definitely an interesting game to watch. The next game, I have a feeling, could be difficult to watch. It's Memphis v. Pittsburgh. Um, Memphis obviously lost, lost, they lost Kyle Murphy and Segbers. Murphy, in particular, losing him to a Eastern Conference foe is awful. I mean, I, especially to Miami, who last season, what they needed was a goal scorer, and now they've got it. They've got a player capable of scoring 15 plus goals, which is scary. Miami will be good, but we'll get to them in a minute. This is Memphis-Pittsburgh. So my thing for Pittsburgh is, do they have a double-digit goal scorer on their team? And I truly don't know that they do. And I think against a Pittsburgh team who, and what I wrote down for them is that they have a thin roster, 
kind of as the only weakness in this game and in for the season as a whole, which, I mean, they can absolutely add to. But like I was saying, against a compact and stingy defense like Pittsburgh, not having a player like Kyle Murphy to really break the lines and find that finish, I think it could be a really, really um, difficult night for Memphis. So definitely one to keep your eye on, I would say, just to see how um, Memphis play without those two key pieces. But I think Pittsburgh get this one for sure. Um, Next up, we have Miami and Red Bulls too. Now, Miami, obviously, as we just said, picked up Kyle Murphy from Memphis. And I feel like that kind of rounds out this team. Um, And for this game, it's New York Red Bulls too. They're young. They are pretty inexperienced. They were not good last year, to say the least. They weren't the worst in the league, but I believe they were third or fourth worst in the league. 28 points, um, finishing seventh in the Atlantic Division. Just not good. And I think this year could be even more difficult. I could see Miami. I know I said I didn't want to do, I wasn't going to do predictions, but I could see Miami putting quite a few past uh, New York Red Bulls too here, which is disappointing because Red Bulls too have had um, some good seasons in the past. Um, but incredible seasons in the past, I should say. But it seems likely that this could be their last season in the USL Championship as they get ready to head to MLS Next Pro. So I think they're kind of just tossing out these youngsters down here to see what they'll do to get ready for MLS Next Pro. So I think this is just a season where we see New York Red Bulls 2 in particular, maybe Atlanta United 2, but seemingly... And inevitably, New York Rebels 2 will just be that um, team that just goes for um, youth players getting playtime and not really for results, which sucks. But it seems like the league is trying to move away from that, which I am very happy about. Um, Speaking of Atlanta United 2, the next game is Louisville City Atlanta United 2. Now, for Louisville, they need to not get complacent. Sometimes they seem to get this, like, swagger about them where they think we've been on top, we've been the bar for the longest. They haven't done it. They haven't been able to um, get that USL championship crown the past couple seasons. But they seems like they've still kind of got that cockiness where they're like, we are the bar, and then it just all slips away, specifically in the playoffs. I don't think it'll happen here, but I think it's just something to keep in mind. And then I also put stay creative. They lost Antoine Hopeno to Detroit City. They brought in some other um, incredible replacements. Wilson Harris and Enosh Mushagalusa should do the job fantastically. Um uh, and against an Atlanta United 2 side who kind of seem to be in the same sort of direction as New York Rebels 2, as like they could be just player experience, not really result-based. But, you know, they do have Mikey Ambrose on the roster. He is MLS-ish quality, I would say. 
Um, they've got Robbie Mertz. They've got Aiden McFadden. They've got Machop Chol. They've got Jackson Conway. Some good names. Some good game changers. Um, for them, I just put, can they get the most out of these younger prospects? I think this could be a pretty close game, depending on who plays for Atlanta United 2 and um, how well they play. Because obviously, um, young players can be a bit off and on um, as they find consistency um, early in their careers. That's very normal. So definitely one of the more interesting games, I'd have to say, in terms of just what will both of them look like. Um, And then next, this is the one. This is the one. This is my game of the weekend. Um, I'm watching as much as I can, but this is the one I'm going to keep the closest eye on, mainly because I'm intrigued to see how um, they look after some pretty incredible 2021 seasons. The switchbacks made the playoffs, which I kind of think was about as high as they could go. They added some more good pieces here. They've held on to Haji Berry, and I've just said, can they stay switched on? Um, a lot of times last year, they started to lose their heads. I'm thinking back to a time against New Mexico United at home specifically, where I believe they lost 2-1, and they had someone sent off, I believe. And that kind of was a, a recurring thing, not getting sent off, but kind of losing their heads, um, not being able to see out some games. I think if they can stay switched on for the majority of the season, and they start off big against Orange County. If they can stay switched on here, it could be a big season for the switchbacks. Um, and for Orange County, they're coming off a USL championship title season, which is incredible. Um, and my big question for them is, have they kept up? They have added some good pieces, but I'm not too sure it's enough to win another title. They'll be good. They should make the playoffs in the West, but who knows? This game could be a statement. If they can walk into Widener Field, pick up three points, um, I think a lot of questions on Orange County, for me at least, go away. A draw, um, I think both sides are a bit disappointed, but not too upset. I think if switchbacks come out and beat Orange, Orange County, Convincingly, like I think they could. I think even more questions are tossed on Orange County for me in that can they really hang out with the big boys? Um, not really saying the switchbacks are big boys in the West. Um, they've only just found some recent success. Hopefully they keep it up, but definitely a big, big game. So, we're about halfway through the um, previews, so I'm going to take a quick break, and I'll be right back with the rest. And we're back. So, we just went through six games. We've got seven left, so 13 games from my uh, blank earlier on how many games are being played this weekend. We've got... Seven games, or seven, yeah, seven games left to cover. Um, so we'll just jump right in. Next up, RGV Oakland. Um, 
two teams who I really don't know what to expect from this season, to be completely honest. I made a predictions um, episode a while ago, but these two, I feel like, are the biggest wild cards. RGV, in particular, lost some big pieces. Adrian Dispay, um, obviously the biggest one that comes to mind. They lost him to Tulsa. Oakland have added some good depth, I will have to say. I think they will be a bit better than they were last year. I don't know how how much. Um, we'll just have to see how that goes. Um, but this game, I I don't know what to expect. I really don't. Um, mainly because I don't know how clinical either of these teams will be or defensively um, compact they'll be. They both, Oakland, in, to me, seem like a team that will always be known for their defensive um, like prowess, I should say, like how good defensively they are last year. Eh, but towards the end, they were really starting to grind out results, um, which was incredible to watch. Um, RGV, always a bit of a mixed bag. Good on their day, absolutely horrible on their day. So, seems like it could be heading towards Oakland's game to lose, but RGV are unpredictable sometimes. And this could be one of those days where we just see a RGV fly out of the gates, go up 3-0 before halftime, Oakland are stunned, and it's game over from there. This could also be a game where Oakland score a 75th-minute goal and grind out a 1-0 win. Either of those seem completely plausible. So, a very, very mixed bag game. The next game, however, not so much a mixed bag at all. It's San Antonio FC versus Detroit City FC. And for the San Antonio fans, I just want to say, I went back and looked, and the 7-0 loss to El Paso was purely because San Antonio was playing all youth academy players. So literally nothing to be worried about at all. That is my fault. Um, But completely disregarding that, San Antonio looked good, especially on paper. In preseason, they've done well. On paper, they look fantastic, especially that attack. I'm excited to see how that goes. They lost Gallegos. They've more than replaced him. So, Detroit, I think, got a bit shafted with a first, with an inaugural game and an inaugural away game. Um, Could be a difficult outing, for sure. Detroit, though, do look like they have the right ideas. They look like a side that's building correctly for an inaugural season. Um... They found that creativity in Antoine Hopinot. They had a plan in the types of players they wanted, the type of experience they wanted. Um, And I think they've executed that pretty well. So I don't think they'll have as bad a start to a season or to the season as um, Oakland did. And I don't think they'll have as rough a season this season as Monterey Bay most likely will have. Uh, but I think this game in particular will be rough for them. 
I don't think they'll get stomped on by San Antonio, but I don't think um, San Antonio will find it um, entirely difficult to score. I did predict, I believe it, to be 1-0 to San Antonio. I think that was being a bit conservative because I think Detroit will have to kind of park the bus a little bit um, just so they don't get hammered in their first game. But San Antonio could lay it on them. It could be closer than... Uh, I think. So we'll see how that goes. So next we'll go Phoenix, Monterey Bay. Now, Monterey Bay, they've built okay. Um, Sam Gleedle looks like a good pickup. Rafa Diaz looks okay. He was iffy for Sacramento. Walmart Martinez, obviously the big pickup in from Hartford. So I mean, I truly don't know what to expect from Monterey Bay. I feel like we can expect something towards close to playoffs, but not quite for Detroit City. Monterey Bay, just, I have no idea. I really don't. Phoenix, I have a feeling, will come out flying here. This could be a rough game for Monterey Bay. It really could be, which sucks because you never want to see that on an inaugural um, team's or a team's inaugural game in the league, Um, especially for me as a neutral. But it just seems like that's destined to happen here. Um, Phoenix obviously still have some great pieces up top. Um, Monterey Bay, they do have some sort of identity in that they really wanted to build local. I don't know how well that's going to go this season. I really don't. So this could be a rough game for them. Um, it could not be. I think it's going to be a rough game for them pretty much is what I'm trying to say. So next up, we have Sacramento, El Paso. Now, a lot of people seem to be rating um, Sacramento, and I, I just don't see it. I think Sacramento will have a difficult season. The moves that they've made haven't impressed me enough to think that they'll do much better than um, what they did last year. And last year was disappointing, to say the least. Um, there's no other way to put it. So, um, El Paso, obviously fantastic year last year. Um, yeah, finished, yeah, finished top of the mountain division. So really good. They just weren't able to get the job done in the playoffs. And that's a big, um, thing for a lot of these teams. Phoenix, El Paso. Um, Birmingham last year in particular, um, just can't get it done in the playoffs. So, and Louisville for the past two seasons. So we could see a bounce back from El Paso. I don't know if they'll finish top of the West in particular, but I think they'll have a pretty decent season. Actually, no, I predicted them outside of the playoffs in the West, I'm pretty sure. So, 
don't know. I'm kind of coming more, becoming more fond of them as we get closer to the season. Obviously, the predictions will stick. I'll stick with them. But that was pretty early. So my opinions may change, but the predictions will stick. I will stick by them for the whole season. But as we get closer, I think El Paso will be better than finishing outside of the playoffs in the West. I really do. And I think they'll show that here against Sacramento. A Sacramento team that a lot of people, like I said, are high on. And I'm just not. So I think El Paso pulls through here. But we'll see how that goes. Um, Next up, we have got... I believe, Birmingham, Tampa Bay. No, San Diego Loyal and Los Dos. Ah, this is a rough one because Los Dos honestly look like one of the worst teams in the league. Um, So I'm just going to be pretty straightforward. San Diego just need to play good. I don't really think there's a reality here where Los Dos win this game. San Diego are miles better than LA Galaxy 2. Um, I could be surprised and Galaxy 2 come out firing, but I just I think Galaxy 2 are tied with Red Bulls 2, if not worse. Or I should say tied with Red Bulls 2 for worst team in the league or just are straight out the worst team. In the league. I mean, LA Galaxy 2 finished 6th last year in the Pacific. Um, and I think they've only regressed. Which, disappointing, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, Next. Up, we've got Birmingham, Tampa Bay. And before we do that, I just went back. My prediction for... The Sacramento-El Paso game was actually for Sacramento. So, just goes to show how much one day does in terms of how you think games will come out. So, so much for that prediction. Anyway, next is Birmingham-Tampa Bay. Tampa, coming into this game, I think will have a lot of anger to bring on Birmingham. I don't know how well Birmingham will be able to handle that. Birmingham are a good team. Absolutely. They were second in the Central Division last year. So they are by no means a pushover. But I think Tampa will just come out with this rage and this anger from losing the final last year. The 2020 final was canceled under them. They had a good shot at winning that. Um, so I think they're ready this year to finally make that push and hopefully for them get back to the final. Um, and I think for a first game, any team will have been unlucky to play them. So Birmingham, if they want to win, they just need to stay calm. They need to handle that early. I'm going to call it angry pressure that I'm sure Tampa Bay will throw at them. So, yeah, Birmingham just need to handle that early, settle it down, settle the nerves, and just pretty much hold the ball. That seems simple, but against a Tampa Bay side, 
coming off of what they have from last season and a Tampa Bay side that loves the ball and that are incredibly dangerous no matter what, that's what Birmingham needs to do. So definitely, I would say second behind um, switchbacks and the switchbacks Orange County game for um, game of the weekend. And to end the episode, we will head to the lab. New Mexico United take on Las Vegas. Las Vegas, um, the roster is starting to shape out. Um, Cal, Janning, Cal Jennings, Danny Musovsky, Thomas Romero, some LAFC loanies will be back for this season. Um, could be okay. I think they'll be a bit better than last year. Points-wise, but I just don't know how much. Um, and then New Mexico, Nico Brett. They look good. If they can just stay creative, stay clinical, um, not reminisce on last year, which was pretty disappointing, missed the playoffs, um, then I think they'll have a good game here and they'll have a good start to the season. Las Vegas, I think, I don't know. If they can rely on that youthful charisma, they do have some good talents there. So if they can have a couple players step up, they could pull off the victory here. But um, I think this is New Mexico's for taking. With that, we are through 13 games of previews. It is finally opening day in the USL Championship for 2022. I am so excited and I'm ready to bring you guys for the ride. With that being said, thank you for listening and I will see you guys for the next episode.